Hello, and welcome to Ritopia Labs Worldwide Radio Plays Festival, a podcast of 40 plays written by young playwrights ages 8 to 18 from all across the country, directed, performed, and designed by professional artists, brought to you by the Mellon Foundation and the Rosenthal Family Foundation. This year's theme is Heroes and Monsters, Plays Against Fear. Now in our 11th season of the Worldwide Plays Festival, we challenged our playwrights to write toward the monsters, be they internal, external, systemic, real, or imaginary, and vanquish them. What you're about to hear are four hilarious, brilliant, provocative, evocative, and thoroughly theatrical plays written by young playwrights. If you like what you listen to, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and iTunes because we will be podcasting four plays each week for 10 weeks. And if you're a young person who wants to write a play, a story, a poem, a song, or anything at all, please check out writopialab.org. And if you're an older person who wants to help out our nonprofit, please go to writopialab.org slash donate. All right, time for the show. Cami of Michigan, Toledo of America, by me, Karen Wu. Hi, Cami. Hi. I'm glad you came. <laughs> this park bench still looks the same. Even the bird poop stain. Everything still looks the same. <laughs> Yep. Do you still hang out here? I love this bench. It's always so chill here. Nope. Why not? <laughs> well, it's lucky you check your email regularly. Ari never does. We've been trying to get in contact with him for months. We? Oh, you know the team, managing my image. Anyway, forget that for now. How are you doing? I finished my college applications. Scary stuff. Right, you want to go to the University of Michigan, right? You remembered. We were going to go together, but you don't need to worry about college applications, huh? Having a superpower would certainly distinguish you from the other applicants. Yeah. I'm not going to college. <laughs> Obviously. After you stopped the shooter, you've been at the White House and the Pentagon and overseas. And Netflix is doing a docuseries about my childhood. Really? Yeah. Middle school, high school, my friends. The first time I controlled metal, you were there. We used to always be together. The shooter came on the bus... We were going to the library. Together, like always. You pushed me behind you. I wanted to save you. You wanted to save everyone. I screamed for my mom, and then his gun just fucking crumpled. I was scared. The gun was just floating and hitting him in the head like some ghost was beating him up. You weren't anywhere near him, but you were still hurting him so badly. He was bleeding, begging. I was so scared. Me too. But everything ended up being fine. I protected you from the shooter. No, don't you see? Don't you see what I was scared of? You can kill anyone you want to. Jesus Christ. 
How is it not obvious? Have you missed me? I miss not knowing. Talita, I'm so thrown off. Every time I look on my phone for the news, you're right there. Talita of Michigan. The girl who can control metal with her mind. America's savior. A superhero ripped from the golden screen into our mortal lives. Iran trembles. ISIS quakes. Come on, don't do this. I'm still your friend, yeah? My friend. I miss... I miss when you were... I'm still me. Really? Of course. How is Ari? He won't return my texts or my emails. He's busy. We have midterms next week. You return my texts. He's mad, isn't he? The New York Times article... Were they lying about the dead civilians? They don't have all the facts. I had to... Had to what? Why are you being so difficult? Are you intentionally being stupid? Three months ago, we were going to the library and getting boba and looking at memes together. Then some dumb shooter came on the bus and suddenly you're a famous superhero. Now you're overseas fighting militants and killing civilians. You see how I might have a tough time adjusting? Forget that. Forget it? Are you kidding? I bought my mother and my little sister a nice house in a gated community. Do you know who else lives in a gated community? The Johnsons. Did you buy little Lisa the iPhone 11 too? Hope she enjoys the 12 cameras. You don't get it. I'm better than my dad. He won't be in the docuseries, huh? Of course not. Fair. But if you want to be a hero, inspire others to face their fears, you could talk about- No. I'm inspirational enough without him. He never did anything right. Lisa hasn't even met him, and she's starting middle school next year. After he slammed the door for the last time, I cried and cried and cried because I was a stupid little girl, and that was all I could do. My lungs and my throat felt like they were on fucking fire. When my mother made dinner, I wouldn't eat a single bite, but when you were there, it felt okay. I could eat. I could breathe. Now, I can't lose you, Cammy. Who's going to be there to catch me if you leave? Just stay with me. We'll finish the docuseries and then... No. But you're central to the plot. The plot? Seriously? Jesus Christ. I never would Why have gotten Why are you saying no? It's just a few days of filming <laughs> and then we can hang out. You'll get paid? Getting paid is your shtick. Well... What's yours? You wouldn't care. I do care. You don't want any of this. Not Airy, not our other friends, not our high school. You would love to throw your past away. Then why am I coming back? Yeah, why are you? Because I want you in my future. I'm scared to lose you, Cammie. Me too. But we've already lost each other. Ugh, you're wrong. Why do you always have to do this? Why are you, you're stupid and, and, and weak. And you're, you're supposed to always be school. my friend. I wish no I'd known you for what. longer. Why, Why can't you, can't you see? see? I am a hero. I don't need a hero. The world needs a hero. What, to fight the monsters under their beds? You're the monster under some people's beds. Being the only one with superpowers is great and all, but... 
We were going to be doctors, remember? University of Michigan, med school. We would do it together, just like high school, a team walking the same road. Now you're on a highway and I'm still on the streets of Ann Arbor. Remember AP US history? Mr. Newsom's favorite saying was power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Toledo, what kind of person are you becoming? What happens if you were the bad guy? Who would stop you? Look, just leave Ann Arbor out of your docu-series. Talk about how you killed all those militants or whatever. Just leave. Be happy, be scared. I have my life to get on with. Why should I care about you? <sighs> you do care. You're scared. I am. <laughs> if only I had a hero to save me. Cammy of Michigan, Talita of America, was written by Karen Wu. It was directed and sound produced by Dan Katroser. It featured the voices of Erin Pettigrew and Francesca Hansen DeBello. Karen's Ritopia Lab instructor was Michelle Hall. Kidnapping by Crystal Figueroa. I was in my room, laying in bed, talking on the phone with my friends. Then my friend Zania sent me an invitation to a party from a popular girl, Hazel. Rumi, I have this invitation from Hazel that we can go to a party at 11 p.m. tonight. Ah, I'm going to go ask my mom for permission to see if she'll let me. Mom, can I go to this party at 11 o'clock? What? No way you're going to that party. <laughs> no way I'm not going to that party. My mom said no, but I'm still coming to that party. But <laughs> how are you going to get out of the house? We've been friends for a long time, so you should know I always find a way. What are you going to do? <laughs> Escape through the window. I made it to the party. I see Zanea, and we're talking and dancing. <laughs> I hope not to see Travis here. I just broke up with him. <laughs> An hour passes by. I'm in the corner, relaxing, when suddenly a kidnapper takes me and covers my mouth so I can't scream. He takes me outside, ties my arms and legs together, and throws me on the floor. Then he grabs me and carries me to the car. He tapes my mouth shut, and he's wearing a mask. He puts me in the back seat, and I try to move. He drives me to a secret place, a little cave. I call Rumi because I notice she's not at the party anymore. My phone buzzes. He sits me down on a chair. He grabs my phone and turns it off. He goes to me. He rips the tape off and just stares at me for a moment. He takes his mask off and... Travis! Shh! <laughs> 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 
I just need to talk to you. I want to express my feelings for you. I still love you, and I'm sorry that I broke your heart. Also, that I cheated on you. Um, I don't believe or trust you. Get me out of here! Stop staring at me and get me out of here! Or just say what you gotta say! I wanted to ask you if we could get back together. Huh. Be happy, start everything again. Hmm? I don't want to get back with you. I've been so happy since I broke up with you and living life, partying, etc. Rumi, remember when we used to go out to the movies, dancing, hmm? the park, and playing like little kids? <laughs> Obvious. How could I forget the times? But Travis. You cheated on me two times with Stella. What do you expect me to do? Give you a round of applause? I would love to go back or do better things. I miss you. My favorite part of dating is us. Me and you just being ourselves without caring what other people say. I know I cheated on you with Stella. And so sorry, I regret it. You didn't have to kidnap me or tie me up to say all of this. I tried to talk to you, but you ignore me or just walk away. You're right. You got 15 missed calls from Sinea. Let her know what you are doing to me. <laughs> Answer the phone. Nope. I'll bring you dinner, and then you can go to sleep. I don't want to stay here. Let me go. How long am I going to stay here? Until you decide to get back with me. Travis brought me dinner. He untied me. I ate. After I'm done eating, Travis ties me back up and left. He left me locked up. I have to get out of here. It was midnight. I started trying to figure out how to untie myself and remembered that in my pants pocket I had a Swiss Army knife. My hand reached into my pocket, taking the knife out, and I started cutting the rope. After I finished, I cut the rope at my feet. I went to the door and used a bobby pin from my hair and unlocked the door and started running to the road. When I got to the road, there was a car coming. I waved my hands. The person that stopped was Travis. He saw me and got out of the car. I started running and made it into the forest. I lost him. I got onto the next road. I saw a car, and it's Sinea. I ran up to her crying. What's going on? What happened? I will tell you when we get home. Or let's go to a hotel. I drove to a hotel, 
when we got there, we went to a room and Rumi decided to take a shower and then told me everything. After a while, Rumi went to sleep. The next morning, Zanea was still sleeping and I was eating and my phone rang. <laughs> it's Travis. What do you want, Travis? I already suffered, and I'm traumatized by your craziness. Leave me alone, and don't call me again. I'll leave you alone. But I just want you to know that I'm sorry for everything I've done. Hurt you, break your heart, uh, even kidnap you. I just hope one day that you'll forgive me for everything. Bye, Travis. I just hope you can learn from this and not do that to another girl or girlfriend. We gotta go. I don't want to get in trouble with my mom because it's late. I dropped Rumi off at home. Rumi knocked on the door. Her mom opened the door, mad and scared at the same time. Rumi's mom stared at her. Where the heck have you been? I was super worried for you and you come home at this time in the morning? What's your problem? You're grounded. I'm sorry, mom. I need to talk to you. Kidnapping was written by Crystal Faguero. It was directed by Reynaldo Penea and sound produced by Kiara Johnson. It featured the voices of Juan Cardenas, Elsa Bermudez, and Bess Miller. Crystal's Ritopia Lab instructor was Elsa Bermudez in partnership with Saratoga House and the fabulous love and support from Mr. Chapman. Face to Face by me, Sarah Waring. A teen girl's bedroom. It's a mess. There are papers taped willy-nilly on the walls and a bed that is probably much too small for a 17-year-old. She is sitting on the bed, watching her legs swing back and forth. It's 9 p.m. I should be doing something. I'm not sure what, but something. I did my homework. I watered the plants just a little with the spray bottle. I journaled. I learned palmistry. I guess I should have written a poem today or played the guitar or gone outside or anything. I never do anything. I've never done a single thing in my whole life. Her eyes rest upon a small painting on her wall above her desk. The painting is about one inch by one inch and is of two birds on a wire, their shoulders touching, heads leaning towards each other. I should take this painting down. I don't need to see it anymore. She reaches out to pull it off the wall, but draws her hand back. She never really cared about me, huh? Julie, no matter how much I needed her, I can't believe friendships can just end like that. Like, one day you're complaining to your best friend about the boy who hurt you, and a month later they're the best friends, and you're left in the cold. Like, I just thought if forever existed, it would be her, but I guess not. Why am I still hung up on this? 
I'm fine without her. I'm so dumb. I'm gonna go pee. She exits the room. Another character walks out. They are wearing the same outfit as the girl. They are the same person. You know what? Actually, fuck that. I didn't deserve that. She sucks. I can't believe I wasted four years making someone my best friend and my whole life just for them to decide they didn't want me anymore. They rip the painting off the wall. Shit, I'm coming. They run off, leaving the painting on the desk. She re-enters. Seeing the painting has fallen, she frowns. Hmm. Ugh, it's always so messy in here. She walks around the room adjusting things. She closes a drawer, straightens a blanket, puts pencils in a cup. They follow close behind, unadjusting the same things. They open the drawer, crumple the blankets, knock over the cup. She hears the sound of the cup falling and turns around. They bolt out of sight and stand behind her back. She stands there for a second, confused, and then sighs and leaves the room. It's... it's Julie. Hey, I know we haven't spoken in a while, and I just wanted to say I'm sorry. I've been going through a hard time in my life, and... They remember everything. The feeling of someone leaving you, especially suddenly, never really goes away. I wish I could accept your apology, Julie, but you hurt me permanently. You were the most important part of my life for years, and then you threw it away for someone that you knew had betrayed me. I don't care what kind of time you were going through. The fact that you felt you could just abandon me like that proves what kind of a friend you are. I can't find a way to forgive you for this. I don't think I ever will. They start to put the phone down, but right before it touches the ground, they pick it back up again. Slowly, a smile spreads across their face. You know what? They crouch in the corner of the room and wait. She enters the room and picks up the phone. Wait, Julie texted me? And I said all that back? Have I been hacked or did I do this? And then forget, am I going crazy? I can't believe I ruined my chances of getting my best friend back and this is so rude. Who would say something like this after receiving an apology? <laughs> you would. What? You would. You've been saying it to yourself all along. You've been feeling it all along. Who said that? I watched you reach out to Julie over and over this summer, asking her questions, telling her the things you were excited about. Your eyes were so bright, and I watched the light leave them when you realized that it wasn't an accident that she never texted you back. Did you read what she sent 10 minutes ago? Of course I did. Then you know she said you drifted apart, as if you somehow chose this too. You didn't. You watched her run away from you, and now that she started to turn around, you're willing to pretend it never happened? I want my best friend back. How can you still call her your best friend? She left. Get it through your head. 
You were broken over it when it happened. I saw you sit down underneath a showerhead and let it flow until the water was too hot to bear. I saw you screaming into the bedroom carpet. You were devastated and hollow and angry. You're just afraid to admit it, so I did what you were too afraid to do. Fear exists for a reason. It's supposed to hold us back. So I was angry with her. What would be so bad about pretending it was all fine and moving on? You would let her get away with it. You would be saying, I know you smashed me to pieces before, but this time has to be different. So here's the hammer back. I guess so. And I guess, I guess I've already been living without her anyway. Damn right we have. Hold on. We? Am I going insane? Who are you? I think you know. (gasps) Slowly but surely, things are falling into place. I keep finding things slightly off kilter. I thought I was just misremembering, but you, you've been moving things around. That painting, you tore it down. You tore it down. And I've been hearing your footsteps in the hallway. (laughs) Your footsteps. Why can't you leave me alone? You're going to ruin my life. My life. You need to learn to face it. Something inside of her cracks. No more shaking, no more wild eyes. She just looks tired. I don't know if I can. Good thing there's not just one of us. They reach a hand over her shoulder. She uses it to pull herself up. Slowly, she turns around and drops the hand. She and they are facing each other for the first time in their interconnected life. Hi. Hi. They stay like that for what feels like a while. Face to Face was written by Sarah Waring. It was directed by Stephen Cedars and sound produced by Sarah Pencheff. It featured the voices of Francesca Hansen DeBello, Ali Andre Ali, and Kristen Cantwell. Sarah's Ritopia Lab instructor was Lena Roy. Big by me, Maggie Monday Odom. You did what? I signed you up, Tina. You're first on the list, baby. Oh my God. You're welcome. No, 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 no. This is not happening. Uh, heck yeah. This is happening. I came to the Words Alive Poetry Slam to watch, not perform. Too bad. But I have stage fright. Oh, come on. You're pathetic. What's the worst that can happen? Last time I tried to perform a poem in front of people was for Miss Parkinson's English class. And guess what? I puked. All over Josh Lemons, who I had the biggest crush on. Do you know how awful that was? I heard about that. (laughs) Hilarious. Try to hold it down this time. This isn't funny, Aubrey. This isn't a joke. This is terrifying. Oh, calm down. It's gonna be fine. It's not. Take a chill pill. It's like three minutes of your life. No. I'm not doing this. Go cross my name off the list. Tina. Now. Go. Tina. Calm down. Tell me what's going on in your head. I don't want to perform. But why? And don't just tell me that you're scared. I know you're scared. What are you scared of? Look, Aubrey, you just don't understand. What don't I understand? Never mind. 
I just, there's so many people here and they're all looking at me and there's so many people performing and they're all so good and so much better than me and their poems, their stories are so much better than mine. And I'm just, I, I can't do this. Aubrey. Tina? Tina Hernandez? She's right here. Tina? I'm coming to let you know that you're on deck. We're starting in five minutes. I'm not doing it. Take my name off the list. I'm sorry? I said I'm not doing it, okay? Are you sure? There. Well then, please know that the audience at Words Alive would love to hear your work. If you reconsider, just let me know and I can add you back on the list. I'm not going to reconsider. Take your stupid clipboard and get out of here. All right then. Nice to meet you, Tina. Girl, you're freaking out. Calm down. You're off the list. There is nothing to worry about. I guess you're right. I guess I'm just a little shaken up. Since you aren't performing anymore, can I ask you something without you freaking out? I guess so. What is it you're so scared of? Being on stage. I I told you, I have stage fright. Tina, I know this is more than stage fright. You've got some serious fears coming up here. Aubrey, it's just... It's just what? My body. You know I hate people looking at me. It makes me so self-conscious. Tina, you're beautiful. Shut up. All bodies are beautiful. That's easy for you to say. Tina, I felt uncomfortable in my own skin too. I know how you feel. You're so privileged. You have no right to pretend you understand. You haven't spent your whole life in a body that this world tells you is ugly and disgraceful. You haven't had to wake up every single morning and listen to society tell you that you deserve to hate yourself. I get it. I do. No, you never will. Tina. I thought you took me off the list. I did. I just, I just wanted to tell you something. What? When I was your age, I performed my first poem in an open mic, and I was so nervous that I started crying halfway through. I ran off stage. I vowed that I would never let myself perform my poems again. So now the only way I let myself get involved with poetry is behind the scenes with this, as you referred to it, stupid clipboard. What are you trying to say? Tina, you've got some monsters in your head. They're telling you you're not good enough, that your story doesn't matter. We all have voices like that that tell us bad things about ourselves. I let the monsters in my head take me over. They're the reason I stopped performing. I gave up my passion because I gave in to the fear and let the monsters win. Don't do the same thing. Just look at you. You're beautiful and powerful. You deserve to shine. Let everyone hear your story. Don't be limited by your fear. It's just that my body I don't want everyone looking at me. That's literally what your poem's about. Girl, you've got to own your story. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just... Well, actually, I am trying to change your mind. I want to hear you. The world wants to hear you. The only thing holding you back is what's inside you. All right, ladies, it's time. Hope you... Um, hope you enjoy the show. Aubrey, I... Think. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the Words Alive Poetry Slam. I could spend a long time talking up here, but I want to just dive right into this night. You know how it goes, folks. Support the poets, show them your love. 
After all, it takes a real hero to get up here and bare their soul to the world. All right. First up, we've got Cristiano Cortez. Give it up for... Wait. I want to perform. Never mind, folks. Change of plans. Up first, we have the one, the only, the beautiful, the powerful, Tina Hernandez. This is my body. It is unlike any other body that has ever been. It is mine and all mine. This body is big, big like a mountain range, big like freedom, big like love. This body rolls like the ocean, curves like a rainbow. These hips have lightning strikes. This stomach folds like the pages of my favorite book. These thighs are round like the rings of Saturn. This body is soft around the edges. Soft like the freshly washed sheets that carry me into dreamland. Soft like the whisper of my mother when she calls me honey. But there are things that are hard. Hard like the cool clothing brands never carrying my size. Hard like running the mile in PE and the teacher telling me to go faster, fat girl. Hard like getting treated like I have the plague whenever I spill into the seat next to me on an airplane. Hard like boys hooting and hollering that they're into big girls. But soft is stronger than hard. I am stronger than the stairs. The hoots and hollers bounce off my armor. I am unfazed because no matter what anyone says, I love this body. This body is miraculous. This body has grown from nothing. This body has carried me through it all. This body can dance in the rain, can frolic in the sunshine, can stand and perform this poem for you right now. I am confident that this body was, is, and always will be beautiful, simply because it is capable and powerful and magical and mine. Big was written by Maggie Monday Odom. It was directed by David Blasher and sound produced by Kiara Johnson. It featured the voices of Alexandra Taylor, Brittany Chapa, and Kristen Cantwell. For Big, Maggie Monday is the winner of our external high school competition. The opening and interstitial music for this podcast was composed and performed by Malcolm Knowles. The music you are hearing right now was composed and performed by Ilan Isakoff. The head of our external competition is Madeline Taylor. The co-curator of our festival is Matthew Jellison. Our casting director is Oria Temeski. Our sound designer is Robert A.K. Gagno. Our line producer is Dara Swisher. And our artistic director is me, Dan Katroser. Thank you to Rebecca Wallace-Sagal, Executive Director, and Jeremy Wallace-Sagal, Chief Operations Officer of Ritopia Lab, as the work of Ritopia Lab is more vital than ever. And special thanks to Barry Waldorf, Tracy Rogers, and the Mellon Foundation, and Jamie Wolfe and the Rosenthal Family Foundation. 
and Ritopia Labs board members Kim Hartman and David Sherman for their ongoing generosity to the Ritopia Lab Worldwide Plays Festival. Please check out our website at www.ritopialab.org and ritopialab.org slash donate to donate now. All right, everybody, as I say, the great work begins. <laughs>